Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he'd broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. They begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Well, as you know, if you've been paying attention in our series on 1 Corinthians, and as you may remember if you've read it otherwise, there were some folks in Corinth that no doubt God experienced as a people who continually provoke Him, an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations, people who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too sacred for you. Such people smoke in God's nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day long. The church at Corinth was a mess. The church of Corinth was full of folks who thought themselves quite advanced spiritually, who felt that they had gone on beyond the basics, and that they were in the gifted group. They thought that Paul was not treating them with the proper respect. And, to be honest, they thought, you know, when it gets down to it, this Paul guy really isn't all that impressive anyway. Kind of like, kind of like that Apollos fellow who came along after Paul started the church, and then he came, he's a much better preacher. 
we found out at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians that Paul learns there are factions in the church. He learns that there are some of you who say, I follow Paul, and others who say, I follow Apollos, and others who say, I follow Cephas, and still another, I follow Christ. And how did Paul hear this? He heard this from a bunch of people who were Chloe's people. Ironic. One group of folks is ratting out the rest of them for being factious. Paul says, this is not... This is not what you ought to be doing. In fact, at the beginning of chapter 3, he says, My brothers and sisters, I, I couldn't address you as spiritual. You, you think that you're spiritual. You think that you are advanced. You think that you have moved on. But the fact is, I, I can't treat you that way. The reason I can't treat you that way is because you are acting as worldly as anybody could imagine. You, you think that you are the reverend, aged, wise sages. But in fact, you're infants in Christ. That's why I gave you milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for solid food. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. How do I know this? Because there's quarreling and jealousy among you. I mean, doesn't that demonstrate that you're worldly? Aren't you acting like mere men? When someone says, well, I follow Paul, and another, I'm on Apollos' team, aren't, aren't you just acting like human beings? Because what, after all, is Apollos? What's Paul? We're, we're just servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but it was God who gave the growth all along. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters are one in purpose. And each one will be rewarded according to his labor, for we are God's co-workers. And you are God's field, God's building Paul reminds the folks in Corinth that he and Apollos are on the same team, that is, God's team. He doesn't want people dividing themselves into Team Paul and Team Apollos. But rather, Paul and Apollos are God's co-workers. They're partnering with God and doing the work that needs to be done. That is, in this case, establishing and building the church in Corinth. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in this field. Later on, Paul's going to use the metaphors of buildings and, and then a temple. But right now, he's using this agricultural metaphor. And he says, we are working this field. And each person does something different, but we're all working toward the same end. And it is the same God who is giving the growth. The person who plants the seed doesn't give the growth. The person who waters it doesn't give the growth. The person who weeds the field doesn't give the growth. The person who harvests didn't give the growth. Each person had something to do along the way, but it was God who gave the growth all along. In our gospel lesson in Luke, we find a man possessed by myriad demons. 
And when Jesus casts them out, and there we see him at the beginning of the story, and he's he's a, a crazy man. He he has broken any chains that they bound him in. He's living in, in a deeply unclean state. He's living in the tombs next to a place where people are herding pigs. And he's possessed by demons. And then at the end, he's clothed. He's in his right minds. The demons have entered the swine herd, which has run into the, the Sea of Galilee, thus dramatically upending the market in pork belly futures in Galilee at the time. But this man is in his right mind, and he wants to follow Jesus. It makes sense, right? Jesus is about to go in the boat with his guys and go back over to Galilee, and he wants to go with him. And, and Jesus says, no, go back, go back to your home and tell the people what God has done for you. And he did. Luke says he did. He went back to his village and he told the people what Jesus had done. See, he's somebody who understood that it's God who gives the growth. It's God who does the work that needs to be done. We're in an interesting place here. I mean, this is an interesting place, but in the life of our young church, St. Hilda's is all of about not even three months old. We planted this church because we believe God has called us to do it. And all of us who are involved in planting this church are seeking to be faithful to the work that we have to do, whether it be planting or watering, whether it be reading the Scriptures, presenting the altar so that God may be worshipped in a fitting way, singing, making sure that the microphone isn't on when I don't need it to be on, all the things that need to be done. And we're not doing that because we're on the Altar Guild team or because we're on the Lector team or because we're on the tech team or the music team. We're doing that because we are on Team Jesus. We're seeking to build this church that He's called us to establish here. And so in doing that, we labor. And we trust God to give the growth. And there's a sense in which that requires discipline. There's a discipline to sitting in church with a dozen people and trusting that God is going to grow this church to what He would have it be. But it's a discipline that we're engaged in together. It's a discipline of trust, a discipline of faith, a discipline of hope, and for all of us, a discipline of work, of faithful labor in the ways that God is leading us to be part of what He's doing here, to be His co-workers here in this particular field. May we all be faithful to work as God leads us, and may He give us the grace to trust Him to provide the increase. Amen.